So now what? You gonna chop me up into tiny pieces? <laughs> I'd rather not. Please tell me your name. You're so full of shit. On the contrary, I've been, uh, been quite honest with you. Now I think it's your turn. It's the only way I'm going to be able to convince the others. Convince them of what? That you can come around. You have heart. You're loyal. And you're special. Oh. What am I supposed to tell the others now? Ellie. What? Tell them that Ellie is the little girl that broke your fucking finger. Hello, and welcome to the video game podcast, PlayStation Pals. We are on episode 39, and I am your host, Nick, and I'm joined by the James to my David, John. John, you did it. I did? Yeah. What did I do? (laughs) (laughs) You passed my deadline for you getting a PSVR 2. Yeah. (laughs) Are you proud of me? It's been over two weeks. Are you proud of me? I am, I am. Are you I'm, more proud or are you more concerned? <laughs> concerned for, with Sony? <laughs> no, about my well-being. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't go that far. Okay. I'm proud of you because, yeah, you resisted, but I'm also kind of bummed because if Sony couldn't get you on board, yeah. they kind of dropped the ball. Yeah. You know? I mean, yes, <laughs> you're, you're definitely right. Um, I would say a large portion of my lack of buying it now is just, just the position of my life, you know, at this point. If, if this was, if this was, uh, I don't know, even two years ago, I would have had this easily. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have, I would have moved some funds around, returned some extra cans, maybe to, you know, <laughs> to, to uh, pinch some pennies and, and get this thing. But, uh, you know, and it's also nice. Like, I, I do have a couple buddies that have it, like we said on the show, but I haven't had a chance to go over there and, and hang out with them yet to check it out. But uh, it's true, it's true. I don't know. The big test, the big test, Nick, will be is if we get an Astrobot announcement or. Half-Life Alex announcement. Those will be the two that I don't think I'd be able to, <laughs> to you know, well, I, I'd, I'd have to choose Astrobot over my children at that point is basically <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. So, Yeah, I mean, those are the games we keep bringing up, but yeah. uh, they're not announced, and even no. if they were, they're probably not till the fall anyway. So. What are you doing, Jim Ryan? Come on. <laughs> oh, they're having a, a, a showcase I'm not, sometime between now and June, all right? Yeah, that's true. You know? That'll be, that's where Astrobot will be. <laughs> yeah, Calling so. it now. So, yeah. So, if you place your bets on two weeks, John, <laughs> you beat it. Continue yeah. to underestimate me. <laughs> we'll have it by next week. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, let's move on into the show. This is how it works. We each bring three things to talk about. 
for a total of six things. Uh, it can be a news item, a topic, a Reddit thread, an email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com, a Twitter DM at PSPalsPod, any of those things, we bring it and we talk about it. It's a pretty much an open format except for those six things. And John is going to kick things off. What are you bringing first, John? So yesterday, Nick, we were treated by one of our favorite uh, favorite publishers out there right now, I think, with a Capcom Spotlight event. And, uh, you know, this is just a little little shorter style direct that they like to do every once in a while to kind of put out some some pieces of information, you know, things that aren't going to be, you know, tentpole announcements for them, but just to kind of maybe give a little bit of updates on projects that they have in the work and uh, get, the, get the info out to the people. So... Um, yeah, just want to go through, you know, the things that were announced, kind of get our overall thoughts about the event itself, and um, yeah, that's 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 about it. So, um, started off the show, commenced with showing us the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, um, which we did know about previously. Um, so, you know, it's not a brand new announcement, but they just kind of showed off a lot of the specifics about it. It does include all ten mainline entries uh, in the Game Boy Advance Tactical Strategy game. Uh, first one was released back in two thousand one, which. I couldn't really believe because did you ever play these games, Nick? The Legacy Battle Collection or the Battle Collection Battle I, Network? Games? I may have touched a demo here or there, but yeah. I, no interest. Never played them. Never heard of them until like <laughs> recently. So the fact that they squeezed ten games in in you know a pretty short amount of time is, is pretty impressive. But um, so that is coming on April fourteenth to Switch, PlayStation Four, and Windows, uh, and they will be splitting that up into two volumes, similarly to the Mega Man and Mega Man X collections that we've got in the past. There's I, I think there's five games a piece on those as well. Uh, next, we got a small Street Fighter Six announcement. Uh, it's not a character, Nick. It's not a level. It's not really anything that I care about. <laughs> but we got a new um, announcer, I guess. So um, revealed its fourth and final in-match commentator, and this is Japanese actress Hikaru Takahashi. Uh, and then we hit, so this rounds it out, and we got two Japanese announcers and two English announcers. Um, so kind of oh, you know, whatever, but. You know, they did make a, a pretty good point to kind of say how it's going to be in-game commentary, which is cool. Like, if you're doing an uppercut and he says, and he throws an uppercut, like, that's that's kind of cool. So, mm -hmm. um, look forward to that. That does come out in on June 2nd. Next year, Nick, we got, uh, you know, the game that I think nobody's excited for, but everybody's curious about. Uh, and that is Exo Primal. They showed this off last year, I believe. Um, this is the game uh, that where dinosaurs fall from the sky. Uh, you know, I think if you saw this trailer, that can immediately place this into your brain. But um, this time, we got a little bit more showing from it. We got some story scenes um, and just a lot of the little details, um, like I said earlier. But um, this game is going to be coming on July 14th, coming to all major platforms except for Switch. Uh, will be on Xbox Game Pass day one. Uh, but probably the most exciting thing, at least you know, for for us, is that uh, there will be a two-day open beta test starting on March 17th. Um, you know, because that's I think the only way this game has a shot in a prayer is it needs to get in people's hands. Um, you know, to kind of see if it's something for us. But Nick, is this are you excited for Exo Primal? No. <laughs> no, it has to be amazing. And as we just saw with Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League is like, you, you can't throw all these live service elements in here anymore. Like, we're kind of, everyone's kind of turned off on them or either or invested in another one, the Fortnite, Apex Legends, the billion other ones that are out there that I and I know these development decisions are made, you know, probably three to four years ago when it was, they were hot. 
not so hot anymore. So unless this game plays like incredible well, incredibly well, um, it looks it looks like Anthem. You you control mechs to fight these dinosaurs, and there's all these different versions of them. Anthem meets Left 4 Dead. Yeah, <laughs> insane amount of dinosaurs on screen. It, it, it's honestly kind of impressive. I will say that's the one thing that impresses me about this game is like, if it runs well, the amount of moving dinosaurs on screen it's thousands right. so you know um, so and, and i'll play the beta the quote-unquote beta even though this this is probably more legitly a beta since it's four months before release mm-hmm. um not that two week ahead of launch beta <laughs> yeah so i'll give it a shot i'll definitely want to you know for the show and just for my own curious uh i'm just curious about it like this is such a weird product <laughs> all around. Yeah. Um, the trailer featured the uh, like multiverse, like parallel universe uh, characters were staring at different versions of themselves and being all confused and add that to the dinosaurs. <laughs> Listen, if this, this game might be fun, but there's no fucking way that the story's good. So, so, so Capcom, ease up with the story. We don't care about that. Just make it fun to play. Right. Um, but yeah, like you said, Nick, I mean, they showed off a season pass, pre-order bonuses, character costumes, weapon skins, you know, all the things that I think we're all getting a little tired of. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if we're kind of seeing in this moment in real time the... Def- the fall, at least with the messaging of free of um, live service games, you know, obviously with the uh, Suicide Squad kerfluffle that happened at the State of Play. Um, I wonder with this one specifically, because while I was researching this game, I, I saw conflicting things. I saw some articles that said, this is a live service game. I saw some articles saying the developers explicitly say it is not a live service game. So I wonder if it's like, you know, they were planning on saying that going into this event, but with the backlash that Suicide Squad received, like, we got to change the messaging. Like, whatever the case, we got to change the messaging, even if even if it's obvious because there's a fucking season pass. But um, needless to say, we'll have some hands-on with it here in a week, and, you know, we can kind of talk about it then, see if it's a little fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then some smaller announcements here. Uh, we got a sneak peek at the HD remaster of the Nintendo DS uh, cult hit Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Um, coming to Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and Windows on June 30th. Um, you know, I think if, if if you know what that game is, maybe you want to play it. But if not, I've never heard of it. I don't know if you have, Nick. Nope. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. The expansion is going to be coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X, with a release date of April 28th, which is exciting for Monster Hunter fans. And then lastly here, Nick, we transitioned into the main event. As everybody knows with Capcom... You know, Resident Evil's so hot right now. It's mm-hmm. hot with you. You've been playing the shit out of it. So mm-hmm. so it's kind of nice we got to get a little bit of info here. They started, started off with just showing a brief glimpse uh, of the upcoming CG film Resident Evil Death Island. Uh, looking to be ready for a summer release. And uh, Nick... Well, we'll get into it later. Well, I know. Well, there's a certain somebody in this game that you know Nick yeah. might want to Nick might want to check out this movie. Um, but this looks like one of those straight to straight to DVD things. I would not expect it to be good. I would not expect it to light the world on fire. I don't think Resident Evil has had a successful, at least from a quality standpoint, anything except for their games ever. So. No, I've seen them. They're all bad. Yeah, they're all really bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> And that led us into, I think, the reason that everybody wanted to, to tune in today. Got a little bit of Resident Evil 4 information. Uh, demo is out as of yesterday. It's called the Chainsaw Demo. Uh, it's not timed. It's not launch limited. So you can play it as many times as you want. Um, and this is basically, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, you've played this. I haven't. Mm-hmm. This is the 
village section of Resident Evil 4. It's, yeah, it's the start of the game until the end of the village encounter. Okay, so pretty meaty. Yeah. Okay. Did you want to talk about your impressions now, or save it until we'll save it because I'm gonna I'm gonna compare it to all the Resident Evil games I've been playing. Sure. So yeah. So I mean, that's all we got, and like you know, it was not not mind blowing, but I'm okay with these kind of announcements. I Mm -hmm. like or these kind of showcases. I know we've we've shed on showcases a lot in this uh, show, but it's all about expectations and what you what you kind of lead the audience to think they're gonna get. And there was no big like. Tune in for this exclusive. It's gonna blow your mind. Tweets or anything like that. It was simply like, "Hey guys, we got an event coming next week. Check it out." Yeah. And then you know. And all the games are coming out within the next four months. So. Yep. And we get a little demo. Yeah. So not too bad. Not too bad. But uh, you know, Capcom, fucking killing it. Still are. Yeah, they have a. <laughs> That's another reason I'm so I'm so curious. <laughs> the next about four months are pretty good. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean they they haven't missed really since 27. Well, whatever it was before Resident Evil 7, like, they're hot. Mm-hmm. So could Exo Primal be a sleeper? Maybe. Am I? Yeah. I don't know. And uh, Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have thoughts uh, in two episodes from now. So episode 41, uh, we'll b- hopefully have both have played yeah, it. We're we going to try and kill John, some dinos together? Yes. No, you, we are. Okay. You're, you're going to be forced to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, so let's move on. There was some, there were even more news items this week. So we had another news roundup. I have four topics that I wanted to cover really quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the first one being that the PlayStation firmware 7.0 is live. We briefly talked about the beta for this a few episodes ago, but it is officially live. Uh, you probably have it now as you're listening to this. Uh, this is the big one that you know brings Discord voice chat, VR support for 1440p. Uh, and then it brought a couple of other features uh, that I noticed is uh, there's a new new friend there's a friends who play tile so if you highlight a game in your menu uh, you can see who else has played it not just whether they're playing it right now but if they've ever played it Um, when you uh, install a PS4 game now and you have a save file on the cloud you will be notified about that which I think is great yeah so if you go to install an older game that you've played maybe on your old PS4 uh, you'll be notified like oh hey you have a save file on the cloud you want to download it you know just a quality of life thing Uh, we previously mentioned the wireless update now for the dual sense you don't have to plug in that USB-C cable did that yesterday yeah I was kind of I was like oh crap where oh it just started going very nice Yeah, so another quality of life thing. Um, in the US and the UK, there's some voice command updates. So you can go, hey, PlayStation, capture that, you know, so you don't have to hit the share button on the controller. Or, hey, PlayStation, start recording. It'll start recording your gameplay. Um, just again, another quality of life thing. And probably uh, the big thing I'm, I'm thinking is just going to blow us all away is there's a new Platinum Trophy animation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is the most important thing. You're correct. You are correct. Did you watch it, John? Did you see it? Um, yeah, like a video of it. I haven't yeah. earned one myself. Right, but right. Yes. Yes. Cool. It's very nice. Yeah, unless you earned a platinum the last two days. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just flashy. I think take it all the way, man. Why stop with a little thing in the corner? Let's just like fucking go all out. Give me like a big exploding platinum <laughs> screen, like that lights up the entire screen. That'd be awesome. 
Yeah, you know. Typically, or, when you're earning a platinum, it's not like a big story moment. It's you exactly. probably wrapping up collectibles or something. So yeah, you could your your dual sense can make some noise. Maybe flash a bunch of colors. Maybe on dual maybe sense. just Jim Ryan's face like slowly comes up from the bottom and he just winks at you and then and then he slowly goes back down. That'd be yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so um, was there anything else you wanted to add to these list of things? No, I mean, no. I think that's that's all. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just a nice little, nice little slow news week, so, you know, get this stuff out there. Yeah, and again, now this is not my prediction for the year of the whole overhaul, but but can't argue. Yeah. Everything sounded pretty good. So, moving on, the next news item, uh, following, well, this was announced before the XO Primal beta. Mm-hmm. We also have a Diablo 4 beta coming as well. Uh, if you pre-order the game, you can play March 17th through 19th uh, as three characters, and then there will be an open beta from March 24th to 26th, and you can be all the characters. So uh, I'm going to be forcing John to join me on that one. Yeah, I don't. You won't have to force me hard on that. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually very excited to to jump into that. Um, and it is cross-platform, so if you're, you know, you don't, you you don't have a PlayStation Pal like I do and John, you know, you can, you know cross-platform with PC or Xbox, wherever Sick. you feel like playing. So, You going Necromancer again? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. It wasn't one of the ones in the early access beta, but it is in the open beta. So I'm, I'm just going to try it. I mean, if I don't like it, I'll just try another one. Yeah, no, that's the, beauty, the beautiful thing about Diablo. <laughs> like, you spend it for 15 minutes, you'll have a good idea on the character. And right, and I'll know before the game's even out. Yeah. You know, so. I knew immediately I did not want to be a witch doctor in Diablo 3. <laughs> I don't want okay. little froggy guys flying all over the place. <laughs> all right. And then moving on, we have a rumor, mm-hmm. but it is, this is coming from Jason Schreier, who's very notable, uh, that Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, the often delayed uh, third-person action game from Rocksteady. We saw a big uh, showcase of it uh, during the last state of play. It got 15 minutes. Uh, it is getting pushed away from its May 26th release date to another date we don't know. Uh, they, have been, they have not officially announced this, but according to Schreier, this is to, again, more bug squashing, more polish. Um, and I, he, he implies it, but he didn't officially say it. Is It might have to do with the negative reaction to the state of play. But again, I don't know what they could fix in a it couple months. It has to. You don't have a state of play and then have a delay to fix bugs. Right, right. But to that point, it is there, unless if they're delaying this thing out of the year a substantial amount of time, I don't know what you can do on a fix-the-gameplay level. Like, I would love some sort of documentary on the development cycle of this game when it comes out because there's just so many interesting questions, man. Like story developer Rocksteady, eight years development, seemingly, you know, a canceled project in the middle and rebooted into something new, which is what we're getting now. There's just so many weird things that happen with this that like I honestly I honestly shouldn't be surprised at this that this is going going again. Well, might happen depending on the rumor, but it's embarrassing. I feel bad for the developers, you know, that all they are trying to do is just get a, game, a good game out, and you get that first initial reception. You only get that first first hit once, and mm. from here on out, everybody's gonna be skeptical. Everybody's mm. gonna shit on it, whether they've played it or not. Mm-hmm. And um, I just hope that those guys can try to tune out the negative noise and, and just put their best forward for, foot forward, make a good game, yeah, and let it speak for itself. But 
Yeah, uh, the best way to combat it is a great product. That get rid of the purple well. orbs. Just get rid of the purple <laughs> orbs. Nobody wants I that. I doubt that. I know. Uh, it would be interesting if they had, because if you remember Battlefront 2 kind of had a similar controversy with loot boxes and grind, and they yeah. they changed it very rapidly. Um, I wonder if they w- would be into doing something like this, maybe remove the the season pass entirely, maybe change some damage numbers so the progression is faster, yeah. and just work everything that you're going to do in, the, se- in the, the battle pass into maybe a season pass of some kind and just wrap it all into instant unlockables as opposed to grinding out unlockables. Uh, yeah. There's there, there's some ways to get out of this, but um, we'll see. We'll see if they had what they do. You know? Yeah. Again, it's, none of this is official yet. It's interesting, man. I mean, you know, it's just like doing the math on it. It's like obviously a, company's, a company makes a product to make money. That's what they do. That's why they do it. So it's just like... You take a property like a Suicide Squad that's tied to Batman, you just make a solid game, single player game, it's gonna sell 15 million copies easily, which is gonna net you almost probably a billion dollars. So like, mm-hmm. my hope is that they're, yeah, they're taking it back, they're, they're really dampening down the live service aspects. Like you said, make it maybe just more a grind, like a, a better grind for the single player person or the person that just wants to play with their friends and let them be able to walk away from it. And I think you're gonna, you'll, you'll see a better reception, maybe maybe not quite as much money, but you also have to protect the future of Rocksteady. You know, this again, this is a team that's, you know, made some of the best games of all time. Like you can't, it would be so sad to see another Bioware situation where they just let out a stinker and then like they don't really get it and then let out maybe another one or just not learn and then, oh shit, I guess we don't have Rocksteady anymore. Right. But <laughs> and or like Bioware is now just the same boat, like quiet, yep. no games. Where's Dragon Age? I don't know. No, it's interesting. Sometimes. Yeah, you good point bringing up Battlefront because I believe IGN re-reviewed that after it was fixed, and I think they gave it a nine. So it's like it's you know, um, you can fix this shit, but not a good look. Not a good look. <laughs> but again, this was a rumor, so we yeah. don't know. As as of right now, officially, it is still on track for May twenty sixth. But it's a rumor of the highest order. Yeah, yeah, I don't. <laughs> Schreier doesn't miss much. No, if at not all. at all. Um, and then our final news topic over on the Xbox and Bethesda side, uh, their big exclusive, Starfield, got it, it, another release date. It is coming September 6th of this year. The first probably big fall announced game. Yeah. We know the fall is pretty uh, barren as far as releases. We have some ideas, but... Uh, nothing official, but here's Starfield planting the first flag. Going to be opening things up uh, right at the, right at the beginning of the fall. So, yeah. Um, let's hope it's not buggy. <laughs> what's your com- What's your confidence percent wise, if you can, that this hits that date? <laughs> are you Are you Do you th- that for sure this is the no, date? No, no. Okay. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I, I remember just no, people with more background in this than me saying it might not even make this year. So, yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a tricky one. I, I I do think it'll hit it. I mean, I'm not super confident in it, but I do think it'll hit that date because with Xbox not releasing anything last year, and up to that point, Redfall will be the only thing I think in Hi-Fi Rush. Mm-hmm. Like, they have to start the... Like, the fact that they bought Obsidian... Like, when they went and they bought Obsidian and uh, In Exile and, like, that whole that whole round, that the only game that's come out since with all that purchasing is Psychonauts 2, I believe, mm-hmm. 
Bethesda is the only team keeping them afloat. Like it's it's insane. Like if they did not buy Bethesda, what what the position of that publisher would be right now? But I think they need to get it out. But they just have to be careful because if it comes out and it's buggy, if it's not what people are hoping for, it's going to be a pretty weird situation that Microsoft's going to find themselves in. But yeah, I, I think it'll come. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, look at Halo Infinite and just just gone. Like, and similar thing. You know, launches. Doesn't run right. Doesn't launch with co-op. Not the most ideal product. Sure, the multiplayer is free, but they dropped the ball on post-content release there, and now it's just and it's nobody's done. talking about it. Yep. It's gone. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So we'll see. Well, I fingers crossed it hits that date. I hope all you Xbox fans are. <laughs> you need something to eat here. Yeah. You're starving. <laughs> I've, I've offered my Xbox to Nick if he wants to play it. He keeps telling me no, but, mm, you know, we'll see. Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> Again, like Suicide Squad, a lot of it has to prove that it's even remotely worth it. Yeah. And not yet, anyway. What if they say this is the best Bethesda game yet? <laughs> uh, best Bethesda game is a tricky connotation. Yeah. Because, like, again, if it's more of the Skyrim in space, as we've talked about before, oh. uh, not, with that, them not evolving their presentation and how things work, I don't know. I don't know. If it, if it leans hard on the building base mechanics, the building ship mechanics that I just do not care for, that yeah. I ignored and fall for, yeah. um, it still won't be for me. So That's fair. So. Cool. All right. Let's move on. All right, so I'm ready to bore every. You ready to get bored, Nick? Oh, I am. Yes, yes. Is your PowerPoint ready? Yeah, yeah, I got my PowerPoint. I got oh, my, my, no. my pocket protector ready to go. <laughs> so I want to talk real quick, and this will keep this short because, again, I don't, you know, don't want to bore you, but uh, PlayStation just released some of their sales, or rather the industry as a whole released a lot of the sales numbers for uh, the last quarter, and... PlayStation is very healthy, very, very healthy, uh, and com especially compared to the rest of the uh, industry. So, um, yeah, just want to kind of go over some numbers and see how we feel about the brand as a whole. Um, but video gaming was marred by consistent year-over-year -year drops in consumer content spending uh, into January. But PlayStation 5 seemingly has overcome its, uh, you know, its shortages, and it led to 7.1 million units shipped by Sony in the fourth quarter of 2022, which is a record for PlayStation 5. Um, and wouldn't you know it, Nick, that led to a, uh, a profit of $3.2 up from $1.5 last year. So, you know, I think that's safe to say that, that the shortage is, in fact, over, which is very, very good to hear. Uh, in turn, total software sales went up more than 30% for the quarter, uh, with a nearly 20% increase in revenue observed for network services as well. Revenue for Sony Group's game and network services segment also increased 53% year over year from the 2021 holiday quarter. Um, so this is also this is these numbers are coming at a time where layoffs are happening. Software companies are you know not looking too hot. We've seen layoffs from Take Two. We've seen layoffs from Microsoft. And I just kind of wanted to yeah just kind of get your thoughts, Nick. On you know do we think that the PlayStation Five is now back on the track record to outsell its predecessors, or do we think that, you know, it's kind of probably still gonna, it was too much damage was done at the front end of the shortages to kind of get there. How are you feeling? Where do you think the PlayStation 5 is going to land for lifetime sales? I think it's gonna be really, really good. Uh, video games continue to just grow and grow and grow. I still think a console is one of the most recession-proof investments you can make. Yeah. Like, you can buy a console and and you can 
have it for a very long time and games will keep coming out for it you know i had my playstation uh for pro for five years and then i sold it back for three hundred dollars so i only spent a hundred dollars on the console over that period of lifetime that lifetime of it mm-hmm. um and it's, to this day it's still getting games god of war ragnarok came out on ps4 and sony is just they they continue to just be master at masters at releasing software spreading it out and doing the right things by all their ips i mean we're going into you know last year ended on god of war ragnarok we have the last of a show going right now the they were able to overcome their stock shortages PlayStation 5s, even though I have not walked into a store and seen one. I haven't yet either. I like, keep hearing that from different people that they've <laughs> like seen them. retail stores, I have not walked in and seen one. But, uh, no, that's probably a good sign, right? They're probably getting there and just instantly selling out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just everyone I know wants one. And I know we're kind of in a Sony slump, even though PSVR 2 just released. But, I mean, if they can hit for the rest of the year, you know, we got Final Fantasy 16 coming, we got Spider-Man 2 supposedly coming, and then whatever else they want to announce, I mean, it's the, the sky's the limit. Like, yeah. I just think a console, when you don't have a lot of money to spend on a vacation, and we saw this was COVID too, you know, when you couldn't go on vacation, um, you, when you don't have a lot of money to go on like a crazy vacations, take your kids to Disney World, you know, PlayStation 5 is <laughs> quite near a Disney World effect. Yeah. And it, like I said, it has that long-term lifespan that, you know, it's you can just keep buying games for it. And um, PlayStation Plus Extra is this great deal. So if you buy a PlayStation 5 and just subscribe to PlayStation Plus Extra, so 100 bucks a year you're spending, you're getting hundreds of games. Yep. You know? Yeah. So oh. none of this is surprising to me. That's great points. But yeah, just to drive the point a little bit further home, man, uh, in February 2023, PlayStation 5 sales are up 457% in Japan, up from 65,000 last year. First first month it's ever outsold the Switch, um, which kind of makes sense because I think people are expecting a new Switch announcement this year anyway, so people are obviously going to slow on that a little bit. They should have one by now. <laughs> they should. Yeah, they definitely Everyone should. Everyone should have one. But, you know, also seeing other things such as, you know, it took 121 weeks for play- PS5 to hit 3 million in Japan, which is faster than both the PS3 and PS4. So it is on a higher trajectory right now, and I think you're going to, I think it's going to really start, like, we're going to see these type of sales for at least a couple months, you know, until the supply and the demand start to even out a little bit. But, so... PS4 116 million right now, Nick. I want I want a number. What's PS5 gonna be at? Not that you know. We let's pray that our, this podcast is still going when we can talk about this. But 116 million for PS4. Where does PS5 stop? I think it's gonna be really good. Um, when a recession hit over PS3, that that console's lifespan was extended. We're kind of in a weird. Are we gonna be in a recession? We're kind of in a recession. Are we? These things are doing really good. These things are not. Um, if, I mean, as long as this console uh, lifespan is dragged out, say we got another five years, four years, mm-hmm. probably. I don't. I can't see why not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I think it's I think it's going to probably land in that 120 to 130 range. Just for for comparison, PlayStation 2, 159 million, most sold console of all time, DVD player, obviously. Nintendo DS with 154, and then we got the Switch at 120 122. So the Switch is probably going to, you know, start fizzling out, I would imagine, at that 150 mark. So I, I would I would say we're looking at 130 with the PS5, which will make it the second best-selling PlayStation console of all time. Pretty good. 
That is impressive. Yeah, so we'll see. It's interesting. Is this this generation's been unlike any other where we had this crazy bottleneck at the at the front end of it for so long. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it how it pans out at the end. But do you? I, I know you got into gaming a little later. Do you remember when E three press conferences would have these kind of numbers in them? No. <laughs> you don't I, remember the infamous one where they did it all in Little Big Planet? They presented their numbers mm-hmm. in Little Big Planet. Nope. Okay. No, my <laughs> yeah, my my obsession with the industry, not just playing, was like yeah, like 2012, 2013. Okay. Um. So any of those like, any of those goofy old E3 conferences, I never saw. I think the lucky you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember seeing you know little little segments like you know the infamous PlayStation 3 599 thing. Right. Um, yeah. Reggie Fizeme doing some weird shit on stage, but uh, yeah, no, yeah, I don't remember. Just, they used to just yeah they would you know obviously bookend it with the big stuff but then yeah. in the middle you'd have that numbers lull I'm so bored yeah like I don't <laughs> care how much it's sold nobody's yeah. here to see how much it's sold and eventually that obviously because you've never seen it that message got that message got relayed to them because you only hear that in like shareholder meetings mm-hmm. you know every showcase now is just game after game after game after game right they're banging so. Uh, but yeah, this this made me feel like that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Glad I can be of service. <laughs> All right, let's turn this ship around to the fun things. Um, I don't talk about it specifically here, but what made me think of this is Resident Evil Three, which I'll touch on later. Uh, the beginning of this is this beginning of that game is this kind of bombastic run away from the nemesis as he traces you through an apartment complex and I was like oh oh, wow this is getting my blood pumping this is how you start a game and I just wanted to go through kind of like our favorite video game openings um love it and I brought I brought three but I do have some I broke them up into kind of categories is how a game usually starts so I I consider RE3, like the big bombastic opening, you know, like the flashy, you know, like, oh my gosh, like like the Resident Evil 4 village part, you know, like within the first 10 minutes, you're being surrounded by villagers and it's this high intensity, you know, get your blood pumping and be like, oh wow, this is just the beginning. What am I in for for the rest of the game? Uh, you know, Dead Space 2, famously the same thing. The Last of Us Part 1, you know, just, just crazy. MGS5, The Phantom Pain. You know, a lot of games like lean into this, like just have this like tense, get your blood pumping moment. But for me, my favorite in that category is Mass Effect 2, Mm -hmm. uh, which also starts with a crazy bombastic opening. You're on the Normandy, you get attacked by the collectors. And crazy enough, it ends with your character who you, if you played Mass Effect 1, you imported him in, it starts with that character dying. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Which is crazy. And then uh, it goes to the sequence where your character is brought back to life by this group by this group that in the previous game was considered terrorist. And of course, when you wake up, you're also being attacked. So it's just, <laughs> it's just nonstop. But uh, yeah, it was kind of my favorite one because I was like, what the hell, they just killed my guys. Like, is he coming back? Yeah. What's gonna happen? But uh, um, yeah, that was a fun one. So I'll uh-huh. you do the next one. Sure, sure. But, so yeah, when I was going through this, it was it was hard to kind of separate like, did I like this because it's an amazing opening or it's just one of my favorite games? Like that's, <laughs> I felt like that happened over and over again. But one that stood out to me, that's not one of my favorite games, but and it's a pretty simple opening. It really doesn't fit into any specific category, but it's the opening to Doom 2016 <laughs> because this game 
you're killing demons within 15 seconds. Like, they know exactly why you're here. They know exactly what you're here to do, and they let you get right to it, and I respect the hell out of that. But it's not just the fact that you can, like, you jump into it, you're on a table, you wake up, you punch a demon in the face or whatever, and you start blasting. But there's also a, a little scene later in that first opening where you're riding an elevator, and I believe it's the antagonist is talking to you, Samuel Hayden or whatever his name is. And he's like, he's kind of like giving you this big long speech, and the Doom music slowly playing in the background. And then towards the end of the speech, the Doom guy just punches the speaker. So it's like basically like, shut the fuck up. The music ramps up. It goes, do, 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 do. Gets that awesome heavy metal. And then like when the song ends, he, he, he cocks his shotgun to like be the last note. It's just beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Um, so that one was. I really, I really appreciate when a game just lets you take the take the controls immediately and doesn't like jerk you around for a for a whole. Right. Lot I also like the little bit of world building in that is that the demons were worshiping you because obviously you were like the you've killed millions of them. Yeah. So like you were just kind of like this at this altar when you wake up of you. Um, but yeah, I actually have a category for that one too. It's called right in the thick of it. Like nice. Just the game just launches you into it. So and similar to that, I have. Final Fantasy VII slash Final Fantasy VII Remake, you know, the infamous bombing run, you oh, know. A real unique answer. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Where you, yeah, you're just on a train, you get off the train, and you're right in your first battle, and it's just like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, the music's incredible, too, similar to Doom 2016. Who fucking pizza? <laughs> similar to Doom 2016, the music's incredible. It's just like... Just get, it gets you right in the thick of it. You're doing a battle. You're whipping out your crazy sword. You're with Barrett. You don't know what's going on. You just know that you're a hired mercenary helping take down this Mako reactor. And there's just something to be said of just, yeah, again, just thrusting the player in and just being like, oh, I got to figure this out. But yep. I know what to do. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, that's my second category. Yeah, very iconic opening for sure. Um I'm going to throw a little bit of an audible in here. I, the, the next two that I selected was The Last of Us and God of War 3. Last of Us, I don't know if I really want to talk about because we all know. We talk about the show. It, it's incredible, but mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. But God of War 3, uh, you know, it fits in that first category that you had. It's it's you're, you're immediately thrown into this battle against all of the major gods, right? You've spent two full games taking down maybe one maybe two you know you take down the fates in the second one but this time you're fighting poseidon and guy is climbing up this mountain and there's just so much crazy shit happening all at the same time while you're kill- killing gods and, and getting up to zeus and then what happens with zeus at the top of the mountain too it's just yeah it, it immediately goes yep nope this is what i want i'm i'm here to cause as much mayhem and chaos as i can and uh you know it just again it knows what it is and i respect it for it and you know i th- do you know what year God of War 3 came out off the top of your head? It was when I got a PS3 seven? that year. Um, yeah, also interesting about that is because it picks up right where 2 left off. Like, it's like one-to-one yeah. of how 2 ended, which 2 ended on the big, yeah, that, Climbing big, the cli- that big cliffhanger. Zeus! Yeah, so... Uh, 2010, so, yeah, I was 21. That's <laughs> what I, that, yeah, I'm a 21-year-old boy, I'm watching 300, I'm playing God of War 3, like, you know, <laughs> that's what I want to do, so. God of War 3, very, very, very memorable for me. Okay. All right, and then my final category and my final game is slow world building. So this is when you're introduced to the world, you're typically walking through it. Half-Life. Yeah, Half-Life is one of them. Oh, I thought that was your guy. <laughs> uh, Bioshock, you know, you're kind of just taking in Rapture. You're going through like this 
this like submarine and just you get this great view of the city it's just this kind of world building the most recently released atomic heart does the same thing but it should be no shocker as to what my favorite one is and that is batman arkham asylum mm, good one uh you have just captured the joker you're walking with him and some cops as you escort the joker into arkham asylum uh, you get kind of a view of the, the asylum itself. You get a brief interaction with Killer Croc, who in this version is like four times as large as you, just hulking so around. Yeah. So <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of just slowly get you there to where you get to the point where Joker escapes and takes over Arkham. Uh, I always appreciate, again, that type of kind of just like, just here, you're just sitting, walking around, absorbing the world. And take and this is the slow approach. You know, you know something's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, I like yeah, that. Yeah. Good job, Dick. It was, it was a good job breaking them into categories. Mm-hmm. I feel like God of War twenty eighteen kind of fits into that a little bit, where it's like you know just slow. We're we're learning right, a little bit, yeah. like it's and just yeah. kind of getting to the house and yeah, seeing just what the hunting, world is, but... having a relaxing time, yelling at your son. <laughs> Morning, your wife, you know, <laughs> nice and relaxing. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, I do have one more, but just a couple honor- honorable mentions first. Uh, Uncharted 2, iconic opening, dangling off the, you know, the train off the side of the mountain, mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Near Automata, I, I love that game personally, so the fact that you immediately start flying and, and you're doing like this bullet hell thing and then it switches to this, you know, action platformer thing, I was just like, I don't know what I'm playing, but I like it a lot, and it ends with a huge mech fight, so mm-hmm. um, really like that. Uh, old one, but I rem- it had an impact on me, it was uh, Medal of Honor Frontline. Because um, there's like, I think it was like one of the very first first person shooters I played, and you're also, you just start, you storm, is D Day, right? It's right, Normandy B. Right. So, like, I remember playing that, and like, my dad, who's a huge war buff, was like, what is this? And, you know, at the time, of course, thinking the graphics are realistic and all that nonsense. Right. Um, <laughs> but the one I want to talk about is uh, one of my favorite games is Portal 2. Um, I don't know what this would fit in. It'd probably fit in the world building aspect, I think. It's on, funny, I can't characters. remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so you kind of like, you start off and you're, you're in the Aperture Lab again and you go into this um, this like room, it looks like a bedroom or whatever, and you, you fall asleep and like a long time passes where basically the, the, the area that surrounds you, the lab, is started to decay and it's, it just looks gross, right? It looks like it's a lot of time has passed. Right. And Wheatley comes in, right. who's okay. one of the funniest characters in video game history to me. And he's got, you know, voiced by Stephen Merchant, who, if you're familiar with him, he's, you know, British humor, dry kind of humor kind of guy, which I always dig. And you immediately get a vibe for the game, which if you played the first Portal, you kind of knew what it was going into it. But, you know, and then, like, you start moving and the, the room starts to break apart and you realize you're on this, like, conveyor belt kind of going through more of Aperture Labs. You know, it's much, much bigger than you think it is. But it's a kind of a combination of, I think, a little bombastic, a little bit of world building and just funny. Um, so always remember the beginning of Portal 2. I love Wheatley. He's, he's fucking hilarious. So. Yeah, yeah. Once you started describing, I was like, clicked. Yep. I was like, oh, yep, I remember now. Yep. <laughs> I mean, both Portal games, honestly. I mean, even the the beginning of the first one's not anything really crazy, but it's memorable. It's like, right. You know, listening to Glados just you know be berate, you know, <laughs> tell you how, how stupid you are. <laughs> Great writing in those games, but uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yeah. I'm sure we'll have a few more entries in that as the year goes on. Uh, but let's mm-hmm. move on to the games I've been playing which is a whole lot of Resident Evil. First and foremost, I want to say that I finished Norco. Mm-hmm. I platinum Norco. Um, I still don't know what's going on in Norco. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. I will, if, it's an, if you love adventure games, check it out. Very cheap game. Super Duck, dude. It's a Super Duck. 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know what Super Duck is. <laughs> it's an app on a phone. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so then I decided to move back in to pre- prepare for Resident Evil 4. It's, it's, boy, two weeks away from today as we're recording. Yeah. So I went back to RE2. I went and finished the Leon playthrough, the second playthrough for Leon, uh, which I th- which I had a great time with. I enjoyed it much more than the Claire playthrough. Uh, I appreciated the, the changes they had made, remixing the um, the police station, and then well, I didn't appreciate more Mr. X, <laughs> but I I could appreciate him showing up where I wasn't expecting. Dude, just wanted a hug, man. Yeah. That's all I wanted. <laughs> just, just give me a hug. Uh, do you remember where the star's office is? No. Oh, okay. It's, uh, the star's office is like on the second floor, and outside of it is just this giant long hallway. And your first playthrough, it's kind of where you run into your first liquor. Uh, okay. Yeah, I know where that is. Though. Yeah. But on your second playthrough, uh, it's where Mr. X comes back. Oh, nice. <laughs> the first time you meet him. And I'm just like, ah, you God. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then. Uh, That's a lot th- earlier, isn't it? Yeah, okay. it is yeah. a lot earlier. Yeah. No, he come, you see him three, three times instead of just the one time. Okay. So, uh, and then further in the game, you kind of get in this underground lab, the nest, and uh yeah, I'm just grabbing a bracelet just like I did in my first playthrough with Claire. And all of a sudden, he's there looking at me through the glass. And he breaks through the glass. And I'm like, oh, God. So i got to run away from him again. Leave me alone. <laughs> but uh, it's it's cool. There's a different final boss. Mr. X is the is the final boss of the second playthrough. And then you play an ultimate final boss uh, if you've completed both. So I just thought that was great. Finished the game. And then I went right into Resident Evil 3. Um, and I already talked to John about this, but, uh, you know, I typically don't get horny for video game characters. <laughs> I don't find them attractive. They're just, you know, pixelated there. Even the most obs- absurd characters like Ivy. Um, there had to be somebody in cyberpunk. There had to have been. <laughs> I, everyone's dressed sexy in yeah, cyberpunk. It's yeah. a little obnoxious, to be honest. It, right. I, it should be pulled back. Uh, but no, nobody particular in cyberpunk. Uh, even with you know them in your face and all that, like, but the the model for Jill uh, Valentine, the the main character, be still my heart. <laughs> uh, I'd love you. I, I should have wrote down her name, but I didn't. Uh, it's Alexandra Zotova. Uh, it's just it's just it's striking. Like I just was like blown away. Um, <laughs> the game starts with a first person view of her, and you get to see her in a mirror. And then you're playing throughout the whole game. I'm like, this is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And this just goes to show how well uh, facial capture and just everything is just just great. Like, just, God damn. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely taken aback. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, Resident Evil Three, which I think like I don't, people were kind of mixed on. It is very short. I completed it in about six hours, uh, but I really, really loved it. Uh, from that bombastic opening where I'm running from the nemesis, uh, I do think. You know, I know, John, you were complaining that the first hour is kind of weak. Yeah, because they do they do a job of like bringing in more zombies and you're not and more enemies in general and you're not sure what to do with them and if you're coming right from RE2 typically you're trying to play the conservative route and very early on in the game you have to but it doesn't take very long to become an action game you're given I actually think this game is a good 
uh, half step between RE2 and RE4 because it's, it is kind of a mix of both of those games um, where you, when you progress further, it becomes more of an action game. But I actually like that it was just six hours. It brought in a bunch of uh, random enemies from RE1 and some new ones exclusive to this game, the Gammas. Uh, there's these bug-like creatures, and they only are kind of in certain sections. Uh, this one is much more cutscene heavy. Like RE2 is very lonely. You know, you only run into you know Chief Irons or Ada or Sherry or you know the, the the police officer you meet at the beginning. Like like most of the time you're by yourself. It's just you and all the creatures. Yeah. RE3 like people are talking all the time. You're on your radio. You're, you're there's all these cutscenes. It's a much more RE4 cinematic experience. But it is also separated by some a few great sequences. One is going back to the police station uh, before the events of RE2, so it kind of it'll explain some of the things that happened in RE2, and then there's also this great hospital section and just that's just freaky as shit because it's a hospital, you know. I don't want to be in a hospital during the zombie apocalypse. Um, I feel like you, everybody's in. I feel like you have to go to a hospital at least once during a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, seems most games will do it. Left 4 Dead did it. Uh, Last of Us. Yep, Last of Us. <laughs> so, so it is an iconic. It's where location. the medicine is. <laughs> and yeah, just uh, the between the weapons and just the length, I would just I I thought it was great. You know, I was kind of like taken aback how much I liked it and saw it through to the end. Um, the boss fights are a little dragged out. Uh, all that ammo they give you is just so these so the nemesis itself can just eat ammo like crazy like just um, the amount of like grenade shots I think I have 15 or 16 shots into one of them one form of them and he just keeps coming back and back so um, yeah I don't like that yeah I don't like that. <laughs> so it, it, but I mean there's a bunch of Souls fans out here you guys love your protracted boss battles where you gotta sh- do a lot of damage to guys don't you dare <laughs> alright don't you dare you take that back <laughs> So <laughs> that's not why we like those boss battles. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, RE3 introduces this R1 dodge mechanic, and it's great because the nemesis in this is nowhere like Mr. X. Uh, this nemesis jumps around; he's very quick. He has like a tentacle, like grappling hook that he'll try and grab you with and pull you to. And just the R1 just gives you more combat options, like to dodge uh, all the creatures in this game. Uh, to deal with the increased hordes of zombies like uh, there's probably like seven or eight zombies in a room and you can't you just can't shoot them they'll eventually get to you but with the dodge mechanic at least it's easier to um, to handle and it's it's really great to have that option so do you have any are you gonna play it John no probably not I well so I've, I've played I've played a little bit of three so we we kind of have I think opposite opinions on the two games, which is which is interesting. You know, obviously we're here to talk about games and what we like about them, what we don't. But I, what I think I've realized with my survival horror games is is I like the slower paced portions of them. I like mm-hmm. you know as I talked about with Dead Space, I love the the front half of it much more than the back half. And same thing I think goes with with uh, RE7 and RE8. And RE3 just kind of felt like the entire game was the back half of a game for me. And where it's just like, I don't want to walk into a room with eight zombies. Like, that's not why I'm playing these. I like to to be a little more strategic and, you know, have to feel like I'm running out of ammo and things like that. So um, I played the the first hour of RE3, but exactly what you said, Nick, I, I got into this area where... 
Yeah, there was a bunch of zombies and I had like seven bullets and I just, I don't know if I was just being stubborn, but I was like, just like, oh, I have to kill all these guys. Like that's part of the game is to clear out the path so that when I come back to them later, they're not infested with zombies. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, I, I, I guess it was, just, I probably should go back and give it a second shot, but like at the yeah. time I was just like, I, this is not what I'm looking for right now. I was kind of hoping for a, a slower paced thing. And um you know, I you got this digitally, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I well, I would say if you had it, I might, I might, might give it another shot. But I, you know, if it's if it's on super sale sometime or if it comes free, I'd probably check it out again. But I'm not gonna, not gonna have it move aside games that are in my backlog that I need to get to. Over. I believe there is a Capcom sale going on right now. So of course, I, again, you can't see it if you've already bought it. What the price is? Yeah. But I, I think it is very cheap. Just dumb. Why is that the case? And uh, do you remember? Resident Evil Resistance. The, um, that was a tacked on multiplayer yeah. thing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it, it just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was looking for it because I'm like, does it still exist? Because the, there's no mention in the game. It is completely removed from Resident Evil 3 now. Like, you cannot, because the game is delisted. It's just not yeah. even a game you can access. But uh, I remember when Resident Evil 3 launched that it had this, I think it was a asymmetric 4v1 multiplayer mm -hmm. where uh, a person would be kind of like a dungeon master basically and could put zombies and dogs in rooms and then I believe if they wanted to control Mr. X or the tyrant they could do so uh, but but that but again that game was gone like my me looking it up uh, it just doesn't exist anymore. yeah it's it's very weird because uh, between that and reverse yes which still hasn't come out I don't no, <laughs> and that, uh, I've heard something that says like they have to release it because there's some like contractual obligation to oh, like the people that they again. promised. Yeah, some, <laughs> some weird thing. But yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. Just just make me spooky single player because I don't need this tacked on bullshit. You know, like I don't know. It just screams that like kind of of the era of the 2010s where every single game, Uncharted 3, Mass Effect, they all had these multiplayer suites where it's just like I. It's not why we're here, guys. Right. So right. Well, yeah, I completely you would, you would think it would be popular, you know, with the, with games like. Uh, Dead by Daylight and all the other games out there that Resident yeah. Evil could make a successful one, but you they've made so. so many and they've all They don't know failed. how to do anything besides the core fucking thing, like <laughs> movies, shows, multiple, it's just the only thing that they're really, and they're really good at it, which is weird, is just those core campaigns. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's only 10 bucks right now. Yeah. Don't I, fucking tempt me. <laughs> it's like you said, it's only six hours. We got Resident yeah. Evil 4 coming. Yeah, six uh, hours is a, about a month's <laughs> worth of game time for me. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. All right. And then just moving on to the Resident Evil 4 demo that they just released. Uh, I went through and played that. And you know that great R1 mechanic I was just explaining that I thought was a great. Oh yeah, I didn't option. like the dodge either. That was another thing. Well, <laughs> I guess you're you're good to go because in Resident Evil Four, it, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, yep. it's gone. R1 is just run another run with the same with the left stick, okay. uh, clicking it in. Uh, so that's a bummer. Um, and the demo is just basically, like I said, that. If you Resident Evil 4, it's been around a long time. It's where Leon goes into a house to find his his pals, the uh, the guys he was with, and uh, the finding them all dead. Um, There's a basement in that house now, isn't there? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Cool. You have to go into a basement, and then 
Uh, of course, the guy you just killed is not dead. He's going to come down to that basement and run at you, which did freak me out. Because you, it's one of those scenes where you're in the basement looking for the key to this door. And you hear the door to the basement shut, and you're like, oh, God, he's coming down here, isn't he? Do they still scream their Spanish crazy language at yes, you? Yes, yes. cabrono! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, that's still in this. Um. Uh, but uh, in this time around, the knife kind of t- plays a bigger role. Um, and in RE2, the knife was just a consumable. You use the knife, you stab things, it wear down, gone. But you could pick up other knives. In RE2, it was a permanent item with no, it could not wear down at all. In RE4, it is this like key item. It's not, it doesn't take any inventory space. Uh, and you can use it to stealth kill enemies. Uh, if you stun a guy, you'll be, you could be prompted to kill them with the knife. So it's a shiv. Yeah, basically. Okay. But it's always on your person. And then it has durability that goes down. And then the other option you have is now you can parry. So if you hit L1 when any enemy goes to attack you, you know, if a villager's driving at you with a pitchfork and you hit L1, you can you can reflect back uh, and stun them. The souls born community wins again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, no, nah, I never liked pairing, though. Pairing was all Yeah, so it's it's, it's, a, it's this new mechanic. It's integrated in. It's probably going to help you when you get in these giant hordes of guys and you got to just get through because ammo concerns, which happens quite soon after this, uh, that is going to be a big part. Um, I didn't see any option to repair the knife after I, I wore it out, um, and I didn't have the time to repair it even if I wanted. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that that's a whole new thing. It's I reading previews. It's an upgradable item now, so you can you know make it better, increase increase that durability, repair it, um, and so forth. So it's just it's just going to be a bigger part of the experience. And then the only other quality of life that I experienced was in the in the case. You know, normally if you have a red and green herb, right? You have to click the green herb and hit. Combine. Wait, you say herb? You don't herb. say herb? Herb. Herb, herb, sorry. Herb, herb, herb. <laughs> herb. So you click on the green herb, and uh, and you would have to go combine, and then you would drag it over to the red herb, yep. and then you it would create it. Well, now you just click on the green herb, and you hit combine, and it gives you every option that you have. Ooh, that's nice. So you can it'll, it'll tell you every formula, and if you have the, all the ingredients, it'll go. And just nice. make it for you. So, okay. Uh, if you have that, the red, green, and blue, it'll all be there. Super potion. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and probably for all the other, because there's a bunch of other resources in this for you know, it's just like the other games where you two gunpowders create ammo and all this and so forth. But uh, it's just a quality of life thing. Uh, I always loved moving the pieces around in the case like oh. the Tetris style where you just every, once you get things That's to fit back. perfectly it feels very good um, but uh, yeah the, the village encounter itself is just as crazy and hectic and I quickly ran out of ammo it was just because I, I played the sequence you know before when the game originally came out uh, that I just knew I had to wait it out so it was just like a, this loop of me running uh, across the across certain areas and I don't remember bef- if before if they could change the environment like the, I went through this tunnel and a chainsaw guy followed me before and then I had to witness a cutscene of him just taking out yeah, all the pillars happened. and then that way it wasn't open to me anymore that's cool um, 
Yeah, and just some great frightening moments where a villager was holding me from behind while the chainsaw guy was coming up to me. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was, I remember, that was a, that's a brutal death animation from what I remember, too. It's just, yeah. just to watch him chainsaw your head off. Um, well, the most important question, Nick, is does Leon say the line, the bingo line? Does he say it in this demo? Where'd everybody go? Bingo? He does. Yes, he, he does. does say it? Okay. Yes, he does. All right, cool. All right, good. <laughs> I was wondering what famous line you were thinking of, but uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, the, the, the demo, like I said, it just escalates. There's like, I don't know. I don't know exactly, but at least 10 to 15 of these enemies coming for you. They don't have guns. They just, they're all melee. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you just kind of hold out and then the church bell rings and then they all just stop. They just they just slowly walk by Leon and that's where you get that famous yeah. line and then that's where the demo ends. <laughs> <laughs> where did everybody go? Um, no, it sounds great, man. I uh, are you still you so you're still on on path to get it day one? Would yeah, you say? Well, yeah. Okay. I'd say so. Yeah. All right. So you've been playing a lot of Resident Evil, man. I mean, with with your love for well, not your love for first person games, but you know you accept them now. Any any interest in Villager Seven? Going back to those. <laughs> No, no, no. Okay. I, I, a I'm man who knows his likes <laughs> sticks to his principles. Yeah, I just again, I just the whole Ethan Winter. I've I've watched playthroughs of both those games, so I know what right, happened. Right. So that takes a big part of it out of that that equation. Yeah. Um, but I am excited for whatever nine is. If nine is a like a, some kind of third person game, or if they can just maybe move to some original stories in this same engine that they've been remaking all these games in. I'm man, I'm I'm in. I think I mean I they've now solidified a way to do third person games, first person games. Village is all three, right? They've they've figured Village is all three of those. Right. It's a first person VR and third. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't try to integrate that into right. nine. Because I'm sure they got a lot of lot of info back about like, well, I don't wanna play seven because I like the third person ones. Well, I don't wanna play the remake because I like the first person one. So if they right. can figure out a way that it doesn't fucking matter, right. um, yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, Seven's my favorite Resident Evil, I think. Now that I think about it more and more, because I think it is a little bit slower than the rest. But I think I'm going to try and approach Resident Evil 4 as not a survival horror game, but an action game. And I think if I do it yeah, that way, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll not have as many problems with it. I, I've, I love Resident Evil 4. Like, the original one, I fully expect to love this, too. I just I don't want those feelings that I've had with, like, the end of, of survival horror games to kind of creep into this, because... You know, again, I, I need to, you know, knowing what Resident Evil 4 is. How long is ago did you play it? 2006. Yeah, when it came out? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to replay it, but the controls felt too horrible. Because mm -hmm. the original one has the you cannot move and aim at the same time right, mechanic, right. which, like, I can't go back to that. So. <laughs> right. But, uh, cool, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, and just, I know, John, I don't want to rub this in your face. No, rub away. Uh... Uh, this time this year, I had only beaten one game, Rise in Forbidden West. Uh, as of right now, I have beaten seven games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're not even done with March, so I'm on pace to beat over 20 games this year. Uh, Dude, you're on pace to beat like 40 games this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think seven, that's going to happen. Well, say so yeah, seven games in two months, seven times six. <laughs> 42. Yeah, well, don't worry. You know, I did yeah. my best effort. I have a physical copy of Persona 5. Yeah. That'll, that'll <laughs> slow me down quite a bit. Yeah. My pace. So, uh, 
That's good. That's good. I'm glad that somebody can bring games to the podcast. And you got you're gonna have to carry that weight for a little more, man. Because I don't think I've played a game in ten days. <laughs> so no, you know it's yeah, it's uh, I live in the world of video game commentary and analysis right now. I don't live in the world of playing them. So, but uh, but that's okay because we have an amazing show that's still going strong. Mm-hmm. About to wrap up here. That's been you know tied me over a little bit. So, got to talk about episode eight here, Nick. I'll talk about episode mm-hmm. eight. It's so, it's titled "When We Are in Need." Um, yeah, man. Just give me, give me your. What did you think right off the bat? How did this episode <laughs> make you feel? For context, this is this is the part of the story where we get to meet David. And if you've mm-hmm. played the game, he is maybe the most despicable person in this entire game. So, yep. what are your, what are your overall thoughts on the episode here? Uh, it was great. It definitely stuck to a lot of the key moments that were in the game, uh, including all the interactions between Ellie and David, all the brutal things Joel did to find out where Ellie is. Um, yeah, I think it did a, a great job of that, but also using what the medium does best, in which we don't have to be with Ellie. We don't have to be with Joel this time, that we get a kind of uh, further expansion of David, of his, of the people that he's with, and uh, you know, and we get we get Troy Baker playing yeah. playing James, so yeah. his uh, right hand man, which just seems like the right hand man of our antagonists so far, have all been voice actors in the game. So uh, yeah, I it's it's, an, it's a great episode. I'm it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, it's very creepy. Uh, they just expand on a lot of the creepiness of David, and. Um, no, I, I. It's a great episode. It, yeah. From start to finish. Yeah. Now this one is, you know, probably was one of the hardest episode. Probably was the hardest episode to watch. Um, you know, David is an abhorrent person for many reasons. The two biggest being that he obviously has sexual desires for Ellie, whether that comes from a place of pure lust or or not of power. It's either way. It's very unsettling to watch a man of his age, you know, kind of creep on Ellie. So there's there's that side of it too, but. But also, you know, the fact that he's leading this group of people and knowingly engaging in cannibalism, right? These are these are very hard things and very hard truths to come across. But like again, the world of the Last of Us doesn't pull punches, and so you're going to see these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was. I agree, man. It was another excellent example of staying true to the source material while adding texture where you can. Um, and I gotta just continue to say that Bella Ramsey is is incredible in this role i mean you know we were talking earlier about about it and you know this this episode has one of my favorite lines from the entire game is when uh ellie is is in the cage with david and david's trying to basically convince her right we we should join together we could be such a formidable team i'm surrounded by idiots and you're obviously very smart and ellie is so smart that she picks on what he's picks up on what he's doing gets nice and close to him and is able to uh, basically break his fingers and David smashes her face into the cage and you know obviously lots of brutal uh, instances there but it it results in this awesome line from Ellie where she David's been trying to get her name the entire time and she won't give it to him and she says well Ellie he's like what Ellie's the name of the little girl that broke your fucking finger and Bella just plays it perfectly and she you know has so much nuance to the character and I just I'm so so happy for her happy for you know the fans because Ellie is so important to a lot of us I've said it on the show she's probably my favorite video game character of all time and um 
laying the foundation for who this character is going to become is very important. And Mm -hmm. Bella does a fantastic job in this episode of letting, as David says in the episode, her violent heart out. You know, this this could be the moment that Ellie, you know, there's no going back to an innocent Ellie. This is Ellie is broken. You know, we see that at the end of the episode when Joel comforts her, which which actually we should probably mention that that is one of the bigger changes to from the game to the show is in the game. When Ellie has her final confrontation with David and he, she kills him, um, Joel saves her, basically. Joel, Joel is able to at least saves her emotionally in that moment, right? He pulls her off of David. And in this case, Ellie saves herself. She stops herself. She basically gets out of the building. And that's where Joel comforts her a little bit and, and saves her before she has a total fucking mental breakdown. Um, but I thought that was a good call, you know, in the overall story to allow Ellie to get a little bit more agency to uh, be a little more autonomous and, and, you know, kind of come to that that herself. But, um, but you know, you still get that crazy emotional impact of, you know, don't worry, baby girl, I got you. Like that line is, is very heartfelt. And, um, you know, it, you you just see these two go full on fucking psycho two for one another. They're not Joel is not, you know, there's the famous interrogation scene in this episode too, right? Where Joel is not doing that because he gets pleasure out of it. He's not doing it because he needs to get something. He's doing it because he knows Ellie's in danger and he needs to get there to to save her. Ellie on the flip side is still concerned about Joel when she's captured. She's concerned not with what's going to happen to her in the moment. She's concerned with getting back to Joel. And so I think all these moments, you know, it is to save her own skin, but I think she's in the back of her head. She's like, I have to get to Joel. Joel's dying. Joel needs me. And so to, you know, kind of uh, see these two characters use violence in such a horrible way for the love that they have, it really just fits into the themes of the show and the game. And I'm, yeah, yeah. just kind of feel like a fucking broken record sometimes, but I just, you know, I am continually impressed with how both of these translations are equally impactful and equally impressive in every regard. Yeah. And I cannot wait for, you know, the, we got one more, one more whole, one more episode. So are you, speaking of changes from the game, I know, I know we don't feel this way, but yeah. uh, let's get it on recording because it is kind of what a lot of the game players are talking about, and that is the lack of clickers. And especially in the Joel and Ellie, I mean, we they haven't seen a clicker since episode five. Right. And, uh, granted, it was a great, a lot of clickers, and it was a great, you know, climax to an episode. Uh, but, uh, and slight spoilers here, we know we're not going to see a clicker again right. <laughs> this season. Right. Um, so, I feel that it all comes down to understanding the mediums that we are we are indulging in. And with a medium such as television, where you are not the person, you are not controlling anybody, you have no decision-making at all, watching Joel and Ellie just fight a bunch of clickers multiple times would have lost its luster it would have lessened the impact of these creatures and lessened the danger that they're in i think if you just saw every episode them fighting another couple clickers fighting another fighting whatever or even in this episode right one again one of the changes is there is a section in the game where ellie and david are basically teamed up where they're, they're fighting clickers on their own but that would not translate well into a show at least for me i think that that would appeal to a certain demographic of people and I'm going to sound pretentious and shitty here but 
This show is special because of the writing, because of the character development and the ways that they interact with one another. Craig Mazin is an incredible writer. It seems like the people who have a problem with the clickers are the same type of people who want to, you know, the, the most mo- the movie they're most excited for is a Michael Bay movie. Nothing wrong with that. It's fine. But you're going to a thing to watch explosions, to see high-octane action, and that's all you want, and that's great. But that's not what this is. That's not what the game is. The game is, an, is a character study on Ellie, on Joel, the relationship that they build, the growth that you experience between those two, and you're not going to see the same type of growth between those two if they're just getting into fights with clickers. Like they're gonna, they're gonna get into a fight, they're gonna get out of the fight, and they're gonna go, oh, this show is crazy. But like, you're not gonna get any type of back and forth character building, having these moments with. You know, if, you, if you're going to have those things, unless if we want two-hour episodes, you're not going to be able to explore Kathleen and the interactions that she has and explaining, you know, how her relationship with her and her brother impacts what's going on in the story. You're not going to have the moments with David being a preacher and him showing himself in, like, what, who he is outside of the interactions that we as the player get to see because we're in control of these people. So I think it, you know, it does stink in a little bit of a regard because the prosthetics are so good, the, the effects are so good that you would like to see more of this stuff. But I don't think that's what the show should have focused on. I think they got it right yeah. with, with all of that. Because secondly, it just doesn't make sense. It's not believable. Whether it be Joel, Ellie, Nathan, Drake, they just, it would not be believable if they're killing hundreds of people, hundreds of clickers, hundreds of anything. Like, video games in their nature are power fantasies. Video games in their nature have to be interactive. Yep. So they have to throw, if you're a third person shooter, you have to throw a lot of things at you. You know, I don't believe Jill Valentine would survive all her encounters with zombie dogs, zombies, the nemesis. Like, it's that's not believable. Like, well, and in fact, she doesn't. Did you die in Resident <laughs> Evil 3, Nick? Did you ever die? Yeah, yeah of course. So, like, so yeah, you, you cannot put these things on so equal playing ground. An audience is not going to believe that Ellie killed 20 of Joel or David's guys before she got captured. Like, she does in the game. You right. know, or you could, unless you're playing completely stealthy. Uh, and same thing with same thing with Joel. Joel kills, I don't know, 15 guys probably before he even gets to Ellie to rescue her. You just can't, you just don't, it's just not believable. But in, the, in a, when your head's in a game, you're like, well, these are combat encounters. Yeah. And they're not, you kind of don't think of them as people, even though The Last of Us Part Two really wants you to think <laughs> of them as people. Yes, they um, do. That it's it just it just wouldn't be believable. So I just I I find those and again they're internet arguments. So I'm just leave it at that. They're not they're the very few people that if you're complaining about wait this, wait wait every time anybody tells me anything about the internet they go they start it off with everybody's saying that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. what they that's what they say. Exactly. So <laughs> so so I just wanted to quickly cover on it because uh, I think cool. it's the last time we really see it you know unless the next episode joel kills a bunch of people that would be funny uh but i don't i don't think he will so uh no, yeah it's just not you gotta, nice you gotta episode, understand though. your medium that you're you're interacting with and you know both of them have their strengths right like if i'm playing a game i don't want to sit there and watch watch it like you know the last of us the tv show is i don't want all these cutscenes and that little amount of gameplay you know i want to yeah. The, I want the, the, the scale to tip in the gameplay direction and, and vice versa. So, mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think if anybody has those type of um, 
you know, come to those type of conclusions, they just really don't understand the main crux of the show. No. It is not a zombie show. That is not what it is. Right. So. Yeah. All right. So, we're up to the finale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to get, uh, get your thoughts on some things on the finale. Okay. And again, if you don't want anything to be known, skip ahead, I'd say like five minutes. Uh, will there be giraffes in episode nine? 100%. 100%. Okay. That's too, too important of a moment. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. That, that'll be the moment that, that happens right before shit just... Boo! <laughs> sure. As it is in the game. Yep. Uh, will we get? Is it all for nothing? Line. Line? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Two two softballs for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Now here's well, my. Well, what, do you have answers, or do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? I do. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. I think for both. Okay. And okay. Now here's the not softball. Again, this is a show that exists before that, with knowledge of Last of Us Part Two, mm-hmm. and given our knowledge of Last of Us, Last of Us, Last of Us, <laughs> Last of Us Part Two, is Abby gonna be in the finale? Uh, I don't think so. I know you oh, do. I, know I do. You, I do. I know Strongly you do. agree. I know you do, but. I'm trying to think of a way, except for just having a cutaway to let's introduce Abby, that that would make sense. Because like, okay, I thought, well, maybe she... Huh, you got one? Okay, <laughs> yeah. cool. Well, so I was thinking like maybe, you know, she's, you know, watching the surgery from afar and she sees her dad get shot. You know, maybe, no. but... Not that's not. Okay, how's it, how's it happen? Enlighten me. It is a... It may be after credits. I don't know. A lot of shows aren't TV shows aren't doing after credits, but maybe the last scene of the show would be Abby, and I think we'd be introduced to her before this too. Okay. Uh, just her interaction with her dad, uh, but I think Abby finding her dad dead would be one of the final shots. You make a good point because I because <laughs> I do also think that I think we're going to get more of the Doctor to humanize him to. You know, get the player to view him as more than just this guy. You walk into a room and, and Joel shoots. Yeah. So I do think you're going to get a little bit more of the doctor. And if you get a little bit more of the doctor, I could see there being a moment of like, all right, Abby, I'll see you after I get home from work or something. You know, something like that. Um, yeah. But God damn it, I'm still going to say no just so we can <laughs> – just so one of us well, can be right. We also know that um, Ashley Johnson is in the show. She is in the next episode. Mm-hmm. And she is, we we presume that she is Ellie's mom, so we think there's going to be a flashback. Of she is, her character is Anna Williams. Okay. So we know we know a lot. So, you know, that that will take up some time in the episode. But mm. So we do have a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Um, we don't know how long this episode is. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's... I, just, I, I want them to do it because I think Abby is so incredibly important that I think you need to lay the groundwork. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's they've been laying groundwork, you know. Ellie seems more violent in this one than I remember her being in the game. I mean, like, you know, she still oh, does the same story beat the happy. David part. She's yeah, killing that, David is <laughs> Yeah, like so it seemed intentional to be like, yeah, she's what to show what she's capable of. Um Yeah, I mean, the, this last episode will be interesting because like in the game, right after David that happens, 
you're you're in Salt Lake City, right? I don't think yep. there's nothing in between. So like you're just there. So I like that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So like I don't. I wonder if people are gonna be like, well, what the f- like, what we're just there. But like that's also happened in the show up to this point. Yeah. Like, they, they don't show any of the three travel. months later. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> you know you can you can skip a lot of time that way. So yeah, you're you're in Salt Lake City. You see a giraffe. And you're in the hospital. Like I mean yeah. that's kind yeah. of all that's happening. So. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is, you know, 75-minute episode, 70, 72 minutes, something yeah. like that. But, yeah, it's a big finale. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I know the, the internet, you know, everybody, everybody's talking that, um, <laughs> you know, Bella Ramsey tweeted out that the, the finale is going to be divisive. And two schools of thought on that is, you know, is it because they're changing it or is it because, like, it's just how the ending is and it's controversial? I, t- I tend to think the latter, but that's yeah. going to be, you know, something to, to discuss as well. All right. And boy, will we have time to discuss it, because I do want to remind everyone that we will not be talking about Episode 9 uh, as part of you know our normal episode of Episode 40. Uh, it will be part of its own bonus episode in which we talk lots and lots of Last of Us. So expect next week for there to be two things in the feed. Bonus episode about this when uh, John and me recover after the finale and are ready to talk about it. And then our normal show, so hell yeah! So it'll be, I'm excited, man. That Sunday night, <laughs> I'm excited and I'm sad. I'm so sad. Like it's gonna be, you, know, you only get the first season of Last of Us once, you know. Right. Like, that's over. Luckily for me, Succession's in two weeks, and that show's fucking phenomenal. If you haven't seen that, but um, yeah, I, I when do you th- when do you think season two will be? I have no idea. I have n- HBO so weird. Yeah, you know it could be a year from now. It could be a year and a half. When uh, do, I know like they they usually have a big spring show, which is this, a little earlier than typical because I think Game of Thrones was more in the March April area. But like, do they usually have a big fall show? They got they got it right. They gotta I, have I would, like a, I would think so. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see this in like a year and a half. And, like, but, and shows like this are so expensive and they take so much time. You know, like Mandalorian. It's been like you know. It's been almost, I think... It's because Pedro's so fucking busy. You know, three, yeah, three <laughs> years, you know? Like, uh, two, yeah, two years. Yeah, when you said that Mando season two was 2020, I was like, no fucking way. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Time, time in a pandemic, you know, functions a little differently, I guess. Yeah, so it's just... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully hopefully we hear soon that when they start filming, and then I'm hoping for, yeah, maybe like a April of next year yeah. uh, kind of time window, but... Mm-hmm. All right. So good. Craig Mazin, my man. That is six things. I hate to ask you this, John, but do you have anything to, are are we going to tease anything for next week? Is is John going to touch a video game? I'm not promising anything. (laughs) No, my son is, uh, you know, baseball, baseball was my thing. It is still my thing. And so little league season starts here soon. I coached my son's t-ball team last year. I, my wife made me sign up again this year. So we've been taking the batting cages, doing things like that. So, I, I, I'm not going to promise anything. I still want to go. I want to finish Norco. I got one more Gotta chapter. Got to do that. And, um, you know, I, whatever maybe you, I'll play it. Whatever you get your hand Maybe on. I'll play it. I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for Mark. If Mark, I hope you're still listening to the show, but I I want to talk to you about Elden Ring. I just can't get to it, man. I'm, I'm trying. So what about you, man? I know you'll, you can at least keep this ship afloat. <laughs> Yeah, I do have Persona 5, so I think that is going to be the focus. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would consume my time. I am excited for these two open beta weekends in a row, but they will be after next show. So 
Yeah, Persona, I'm, I'm, I know I've said it before, I've, I've wished for the wheel to give this to you, so I'm glad you got to it naturally, <laughs> but you know, I've, I've, I've watched the 67-hour YouTube cutscene playthrough of this, so I at least know the story, which is, which okay. is good. And, I, and I, know the com- I know of the combat. I played 10 hours of it, I think. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah I, was, I was deciding whether or not to look at a guide, like a spoiler-free guide, uh, and then I saw the guide for getting the Platinum all in one playthrough. What a freaking nightmare. Oh, dude, Persona games are <laughs> no joke. If you want to try a single playthrough, you have to... There's so many social link things that you, yeah, have, yeah. you have to, Okay, what day is it? Okay, I have to make sure I study yep. this day. And then oh, I got to make sure I hang out with Ryuji today and on tomorrow. It's just like, fuck that. Yeah, what a <laughs> what a nightmare. So. Yeah, I never liked the school side of that game, those games, but it's still very, very special. Okay. well, I'll have thoughts on that. All right, so the song we're leaving you on today... Is from Mass Effect 2. It's from your opening. Yeah, Suicide Mission. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's on the end of the game, isn't it? Yeah, the Suicide Mission. Sorry, missions, don't Suicide Mission is the thing that you're built to. Uh, it could have played during the opening. I could not tell you off the top of my head. Sure. Uh, but this is by Jack Wall, who did the entire soundtrack for Mass Effect 2. And Suicide Mission is just one of those epic, you know, pieces that, you know, that you want the game to end on when you know you're going into that final battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. So, again, expect next week two things in the feed, a bonus episode for all of The Last of Us, uh, HBO's The Last of Us, and then our normal episode. So, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Bye, guys. I love you so much.